as a teenager in high school, I made some pretty terrible choices, and my life was headed down a, a bad road, and had, had I continued down that road, it would not have ended well. It was pretty miserable. Um, some of the, some of the uh, circumstances in my life were really, were really hard, and um, my choices weren't helping. But, and that's a big but, but I prayed this prayer, and I wrote it in a notebook that was sitting by my bed. I still remember it. I was probably 16 years old, and I just said, God, make me into the man that you want me to be. And a few years later, God saved me. He rescued me from the road that I was on. He changed my life completely, and then shortly after that, called me into the ministry. In 2002, 12 years ago, my aunt was diagnosed with degenerative heart failure, and they gave her three years to live in 2002. By 2005, she was in really rough shape, unable to get off the the couch. I mean, she's just laid on the couch all day, every day. And one day uh, in October, October 27th, 2005, she, she didn't have the strength to get off the couch that day. But, this is a big but, but she sent out a request to her family and said, please pray that God would heal me. And her family prayed for her that day. And later that day, she had an appointment with her cardiologist, and they did a heart scan, and they said, your heart is completely healed. Somehow it has doubled in size. And she is still healthy, totally healed, and her heart is, has never had another issue. Um, back in 2008, I was out of work for eight months and I was desperate for a job. I had a family to support and no income for eight months. And uh, it, was, it was hard. It was stressful. I couldn't, I couldn't find work no matter how hard I looked. But, and that's a big but. I'm, just so you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably take that a little too far today. Um, but, but I prayed. I, I got alone, I closed the door behind me, I fell on my face, and I'm, I'm just crying out to God, God, I have got to have a job. You, I know you want me to provide for my family, and I have got to have work. This is not, this is just not happening. What is going on? God, I need work. And while I am praying, my phone rings. And I answer the phone thinking, maybe this is God's answer. And it was the chief of the Gwinnett County Fire Department, a fire department that receives 8,000 applications every year and hires on average about 100 employees a year. And I hadn't even turned in an application. And the chief of that department is calling me and says, I hear that you need a job. Prayer is powerful. 
Back in 2010, my wife and I had plans to go to Athens, Georgia, where we went to college, University of Georgia, to plant a church there. We thought that would be a great place to go and plant a church. But, and that's one huge but, but we said, you know what? We need to pray and say, God, do you have somewhere else in mind? So we got on our knees and we said, Lord, we'll go wherever you want us to go, anywhere in the world. You just have to tell us where, if it's not Athens. And the Lord spoke to us and told us to come to Wilmington, Vermont, to start a church. And those are just a few of the stories uh, that I could tell you of incredible answers to prayer. I mean, phenomenal miracles that have happened because of prayer. Prayer does something incredible that it puts a big butt in our story. And we're going we're gonna to see a story today in the Bible that, that, um, that has a, a huge butt in the middle of it. Um, maybe you have stories of your own. Maybe you have testimonies of God doing big things in your life, answering prayer in a miraculous way. Or maybe, maybe you don't do a lot of prayer. Maybe you're just kind of exploring this whole Christianity thing. And um, I just want to tell you that God is real and he does do miracles. And, um, and he, he will do miracles in your life if you ask him. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and, you know, you struggle in this area. Maybe you're like me and it feels like your prayer life is really inconsistent and you struggle to stay consistently praying. And I I think that this message today is going to help you. I think it's going to encourage you and increase your faith that prayer is powerful and it is worth it. But go ahead and turn to your Bible, in your Bibles, to Acts chapter 12. I'm going to read the story for the day. Uh, The first 19 or 18 verses of Acts chapter 12. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread... When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. Seems pretty, seems pretty hopeless. His, his circumstances seem pretty bleak, and it doesn't seem like there's much chance of anything changing. James has already been killed. Herod plans on killing Peter. He's waiting until after the Passover. He's guarding him with soldiers. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but, and that's one huge but, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And then watch how this story changes. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, An angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. 
he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading out into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod, from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice. In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. So, this is one of the most incredible stories in the Bible. And if it, if it weren't for verse 5, if you take verse 5 out, it never happens. If you take verse 5 out, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church, the rest of that story doesn't happen. And the next day, Peter would have been killed. And it would have changed the course of the church. Sure, God could have done done it without Peter. He didn't have to have Peter, but Peter was instrumental in what God did in the church in those days. This is one huge but in this story. I mean, it looked like there was no hope, there was no chance of anything changing, but God's people earnestly prayed. Prayer changes things. Last week, we looked at the fact that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. He said so in John fifteen five. We can do nothing without him. We need him. God is sovereign. He's powerful. He enables us to do things. But we can easily slip into believing that because he's sovereign, because he is so powerful, that we should just let whatever happens happen. And we forget that it is very important that we pray. It is very important that we stand against evil. See, we can start to subtly believe that it's always, no matter what happens, it's just God's will. If you're sick, well, it's just God's will. He's just sanctifying me. Or you're coming up against some barrier that you can't break through, uh, must just be God's will. And when we study the life of Jesus, we see something very, very different. Jesus' life was one that was marked by constant conflict with evil. It says in 1 John 3, 8, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Here's the point. Everything that happens isn't God's works. There are works of the devil if everything that happened was just God's doing, then Jesus' life would have looked very differently. He would have just 
gone along and never changed anything. He would have never conflicted with anything, but he, he did. He came up to people who were demonized, people who were possessed by demons, and he cast the demons out. He came to people who were sick, and he healed their sickness. He came to people who had died, and he raised them from the dead. He came to destroy the works of the devil. His life was one of conflict. He he came against the evil in this world. And so I think, you know, we can fall into believing that everything that's happened is just God's will. And therefore, we never pray persistently. We never come against things in prayer. We never stand our ground and say, no, this won't happen. We won't let this happen. That's what the church did here in Acts 12. The church said, you know, it looks like there is no hope. And they could have said, it must be God's will for him, you know. And they could have just done nothing, but they didn't. They recognized that evil was at work, that evil was behind it. Evil is a very real, very present power. There are real demons among us. There is a real enemy, Satan. And everything that happens is not God's will. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, God in heaven, Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is always done in heaven, but it is not always done on earth. And so we pray that his will would be done on earth because it's not always done on earth. And our prayers can make the difference. Our prayers can make that happen. The other error that we can fall into easily is believing that there is just nothing, nothing else but what we can see and feel. We can become practical realists who believe that if it's not physical matter, then it doesn't exist. And so all we have is just, you know, people's choices and their consequences. And then we just have to live with them. If the church had believed that way, they would have said, man, that's terrible that Herod has done this to Peter and now Peter's going to die and we can't do anything about it. But they didn't believe that way. They knew that there were powers at work and that they had access to God, that they could call upon God and God could change the situation. So we have to believe that evil is very real. And that oftentimes what we see happening around us is a result of that very real evil. And that we have a responsibility and a privilege of standing against that. Of tearing down strongholds of the enemy through prayer. The other thing that we oftentimes believe is that... um, Or the, the, the other thing that oftentimes happens is that we just don't ask for things, and so we don't ever get them. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. You see, the Bible says in Ephesians 1.3 that every spiritual blessing is ours in the heavenlies because we're in Christ. We have access to every spiritual blessing. God has storehouses of blessings for us but we do not have because we do not ask. Jesus, I mean, Jesus said 
when he's teaching his disciples about faith, he says, he says, if you had faith big enough, you would say to this mountain, be removed, and it would get up and be cast into the sea. He doesn't say, you know, if, it was, if it's God's will. Ultimately, yes, if it's God's will, it will happen. But he says, if you had faith big enough, the determining factor is so often our faith. We don't believe. We don't pray because we don't believe. We don't ask because we don't believe that God would give it. And so we do not have because we do not ask. God will not give us what we do not ask for. He's not going to force his will upon us. He's not going to force us to do things his way. And so if we go at our own, if we don't ask him, if we don't rely on him, then he'll allow that. He won't give us what we don't, what we don't ask for. But prayer is the way that we depend on him. It's the way that we show that, yeah, God, we need you, and we know we need you. We also get this idea that prayer is like this duty, you know, this, like, this legalistic duty. We think, oh, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought to myself, late at night when I'm tired or something, you know, oh, I need to pray. It's like, really, that's my attitude? toward prayer. Prayer is this amazing, this amazing privilege that allows us to receive blessings from the Father, and yet we turn it into this religious duty, this thing that we have to do. And it's a doorway that just opens up the, the door the, to God's blessings. They're waiting on us. But we have to reach out and grab them through prayer. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know what challenge you're up against. I don't know what difficulty you have in your life right now. But you, if you need a big but in the middle of your story, that's only going to happen through earnest prayer. God puts big butts in our story when we earnestly pray. He has the heart of a father towards us. It says in Matthew 7, in verses 7 through 11, this is Jesus talking. He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks, for, asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He has the heart of a father. And if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you have been adopted into his family. You are his son or daughter. He wants to bless you just like any good father does. But he will not give you what you don't ask for. So what challenge are you facing? What, what are you up against in your marriage? What are you, 
What are you struggling with? What sin has a bondage over you? What, what is your challenge at work? What's that coworker who just is making everything impossible for you? Who's that loved one that doesn't know Jesus and you desperately want them to know Jesus? Do you have a child who's run away from God? Whatever you are up against, you can take it to the Lord in prayer. He is a loving Father and He wants to bless you. The answer to your problem, to your conflict, is prayer. But we have to persist in prayer. We have to pray earnestly. And that word means to pray fervently, consistently, persistently, without giving up. But what is our confidence as we pray? I mean, how can we really know that our Father is going to hear us? What's our confidence? I mean, maybe we feel like we've got a lot of sin that is blocking the way. What's our confidence as we pray? Ephesians, 2, Ephesians 3, verse 12, says that in Him, in Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. We have access to God. We have confident access to God because we are in Christ. The only reason that we can come before God is because we have been given the righteousness of Christ. Because our sin has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Because we are hidden in the beloved Son, Jesus. We can come before the Father with total access. And our confidence comes from Jesus. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's a throne of grace for us. Not a throne of wrath. It's a throne of grace because of Jesus. And we can come without our conscience condemning us There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we can come not worried that our Father is going to be frustrated. He he, he is inviting us in. We can run to His throne boldly, trusting that our Daddy wants to hear from us. We have bold, confident access to our Father. And he wants to give us help in our time of need. There's another great encouragement for us to persist in prayer, and that is that prayer actually works. I know that seems simple, but we, we oftentimes lose faith in the fact that our prayers make a difference. But the Word of God says in James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So let me ask you this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've put your trust in Jesus, then are you a righteous person? Yes, you are. Because you have the righteousness of Christ. Can you have any more righteousness than that? No. 
You cannot add to it. And you cannot take away from it. If you are in Christ, then his righteousness is yours. And it's a perfect righteousness. So when this verse says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, then you can take this for you. Your prayers, if you are in Christ, have great power. Your prayers, if you are in Christ, work. They work. There's a a story in the book of Daniel in chapter 10 where Daniel sets himself to pray and he's praying and he's fasting and three weeks go by and the angel Gabriel shows up to him and says, he says, from the first day that you set yourself to pray, a word went out in heaven and I was sent to you. But the prince of Persia stopped me I had to get back up from Michael and Michael the archangel came and and helped me and now I finally got free and I'm here to give you this message Daniel was not he's no more of a special person than you or I or anyone who is righteous in Christ we have full access to our father and here's the deal Daniel set himself to pray he got on his knees And started to pray, and a word went out in heaven from the throne. Sometimes, you know, we get this mindset of, oh, yeah, I should really pray. Because we don't realize that by simply getting on our knees and calling out to God, that things are moving in heaven. That our prayers are so powerful, we have the ear of the God of the universe that he will actually command angels to do things because of our prayers. And we pray things like, God, help me to have a good day tomorrow. (laughs) We're missing out on so much. You know, God, help me to sleep good tonight. and, And he's going... Son, you have no idea what I have for you that you aren't asking for. It's just waiting for you and you're asking for a good day. And I have so much I want to give to you. To supply you with. So much I want to do in your life. So much I want to use you to do in the world. And you're asking for a good day. There's nothing wrong with asking for a good day, but too often our prayers stop there. It's sad because we don't see how privileged we are to have this access to the throne of grace through Christ. Because we don't see how privileged we are and we don't believe that our prayer has real power as it's working, we just... Don't pray, or we pray really small prayers. We never ask God to put big butts in our story. We never ask Him to do something that only He could do, that could only be explained by Him. We miss out on so much. Jesus, in His last supper with His disciples, He says to Him a few times this that I'm going to read in John 14. 
And I want you to listen to this and hear this as a word for you. Yes, he was speaking to his disciples, but this is a word for you. A word once spoken by God is continuously speaking to us. And this is a word for you this morning as much as it was for them when he spoke it. John 14, 13 through 14. Jesus says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what does he mean in my name? This means that we don't just come to God and say, God, I really would love a brand new truck with huge all-terrain tires. You know, but that we pray things that Jesus would ask for. We ask things that he would be asking for in our same situation. The illustration that I like is, say you were the son or daughter of a farmer, and the farmer had an account at the feed and seed store, whatever. And you went to the store and you said, um, you know, I, I need to get three bags of corn on my dad's account. And they say, okay, and they give it to you. Because you've asked in his name. Not, not in your name, it's not what you want, that's what he wants, but he sent you to ask. Well, this is the way that prayer in Jesus' name works. It's what Jesus would ask for in our place. And we can know what he would ask for by studying the word. We can figure out in most circumstances what Jesus' will would be by knowing who he is, by studying the word of God, by finding the answers to what God's heart is in certain situations. And we can ask things we can ask for things confidently that this is what Jesus would ask for. We can find promises in the scriptures and cling tightly to them in faith. So he says again, John 16, 23 through 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask for anything in my name and it will be given to you. This is, this is such a confidence builder. What is it that you need to ask God for that you haven't been asking Him for? What is it that you started to pray for and you just kind of You just grew tired of it. What is it in your life? The past week has been the most amazing week of my entire marriage. And largely because God opened my eyes to the fact that I had quit praying with my wife. Somewhere along the lines, I became too busy or too whatever. And I just, we just quit. And God opened my eyes and, and said, you know, everything might look fine on the surface, but there's no spiritual intimacy between you two because 
You're not praying together. He actually spoke this very clear word to me. He said, I've kept you at arm's length because I wouldn't let you approach me without your wife in arms. Because God sees us as one. He sees us as one flesh, the Bible says. So I could no more approach God without my wife than I could leave this building without my body. Seriously. It just can't happen. God can't honor that. And so we've had the most phenomenal week of just like, wow, this is what we were missing? How did we, how did this happen? How did we quit doing this? And God has just really brought us together in a way that we haven't been together in so long. So this is very personal to me. This, this realization that prayer is powerful. It changes things. It really does. I mean, not just these stories that I told at the beginning, but I mean, right now, this week, it is changing my marriage. It is changing my life. The Bible says Jesus described the church, the house of God, or the oikos, the family of God, as being a house of prayer. He said, my father's house should be called a house of prayer. And I find it really interesting that he used that because he could have said a lot of things that seem very important. He could have said, my father's house would be called a house of worship. He could have said, my father's house would be called a house of preaching. He could have said, my father's house would be called a house of discipleship or fellowship. But he didn't. He said, my father's house would be characterized by prayer. The atmosphere in my father's family will be prayer. We have been appointed by God to be askers. Ask, and it will be given to you. Ask in my name, and it will be given to you. Ask, and your joy will be full. Ask, 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 ask. We are appointed as askers. We can't do anything on our own, and so we have to ask him. God, we need you. God, would you break through in my family? God, would you change the situation at work? God, would you give me a job? God, would you help me? Would you heal me? God, would you heal this person that I love? God, I need you. We're appointed askers. We have total access to God. And we pray things like, give me a good day tomorrow. I'm guilty. Guilty. And there are times where I pray that and it's just like God, I just sense God saying, come on, let's let's bring it up a notch, Ben. Why don't you ask me for something big? Why don't you ask me for something, you know, bigger than a good day? What if we all started to ask God for really big things only he could do? What if we started to believe that our prayers have power as they work? What if we started to believe there wasn't anything that's impossible for God? Nothing. There's a story in the Bible where 
this man comes to Jesus and says, if you will, if you can, would you do something about my son? He says, if I can. Of course I can. There is nothing impossible for him. And what, if we, what if we got that? What if we started to see that? What if we started to ask with big expectations? One of the prayers that I've been praying lately is, God, give me big expectations today. I want to expect you to do big things. But God is not a genie. Okay, he's not, we don't just rub a lamp and say, this isn't a magic, you know, spell or whatever. God wants us first to be in line with him. And so we start there. We start with God, where am I not in line with you? God, show me where I am not lining up with your will. Show me where my heart is totally away from you. Show me where I'm rebellious to you still. And we bring ourselves, we ask him to bring us in line with him first, and then he will give us the desires of our heart. And we can ask with confidence that, yes, these desires are from you, Lord. If, if you're here this morning and you think, you know, I don't know, I, I don't ever really see any answers to my prayers, it may be that it's because you haven't surrendered your life to God. Maybe that you've been just going through motions. You've been doing the religious duties. You know, read your Bible here and there, pray here and there, go to church here and there. And the reality is that you don't know God. You don't have a real relationship with Him. And you need to start there. You need to start by saying, God, I, I want to see you move in my life, but Start with me. And surrender your life to Jesus. Put your confidence in him. Put your trust in him. And then, then you can ask things in his name. And his father will do them. I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come on up. If that's you this morning, then, then I just challenge you. Right now, don't put it off. Deal with the Lord now. Be honest with Him. You don't, there are no special words to use when you pray. God just wants us to be honest with Him and real with Him. To talk to Him like we would talk to a friend. And so, right now, we're just going to take a minute. I want you just to, just to do business with God. Be honest with Him. Talk to Him. Let's bow our heads. Humble yourself before God. Maybe today is the day that God puts a big, a huge butt in your story.
that was you, if, if, if you've just been going through the motions and you've realized today that God, that you never had a real relationship with God, and you put your trust in Jesus today, today is the day for you. If you just now cried out to God to save you, I want you to do something bold. I want you, while everyone's heads are bowed, I want you just to look up at me right now. Just look up at me right now. Thank you. I want you to do something else for me. When, when everyone stands to worship, would you just immediately, don't, don't hold back, don't be shy. Stand up and come to the back of the room where I'm going to be, and I want to I talk to you and, um, and help you take some right steps forward in your walk with Jesus. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the, the work that you're doing in this church, in this community. God, we thank you that you have appointed us as, as askers, that we get to come to you with full confidence and bold access to the throne. We can ask you for big things, God. Increase our faith as a church and teach us to pray. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.